Amy Todd Fleming was murdered on January 11, 1996. Her body was found in her home at 9.30 a.m. She had been strangled. 25 years later, there are still no suspects and no evidence to point toward a motive. Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. I'm Christy Brower, here with my sister, co-host, and partner in crime, Katie Weaver. Hey, Katie. Hello. How's it going? It's going great. We uh, sent the last kid back to college for uh, the semester, so we're empty nesters yet again. Wow. So So just off to the craft room. Yeah, literally. (laughs) (laughs) that's we we spent quite a bit of time in the uh in the creation room today. Uh yeah, I've got some really fun stuff on my table right now. I yeah. bet you did. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's good. However, I mean softball season is like starting. Their first games are in a month. Holy so, crap. I, I'm yeah, getting ready. I'm very excited to be able to travel a little and go to games and yeah. So good. That'll be fun. I know I'm looking forward to doing some of it as well, although yeah. it's got to be warm or I'm not effing doing it (laughs) (laughs) her first games are in north dakota or south dakota in a dome oh in a dome i was like how Mm -hmm. would they be playing Ooh, nice Mm -hmm. in a dome yeah that'll be interesting she's never done indoor softball before but (laughs) we have sat through oh man some high school softball games you guys Mm -hmm. and football in the snow In the sleety, rainy, freezing weather. We don't ever have to do that again. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. I I know. Oh, man. We've been troopers, boy. We have been. We don't go sit in the car and watch through the fence. We sit out there and freeze to death. We do, man. (laughs) We wrap up in all the blankets we can and drink big cups Mm -hmm. of coffee. and But now. Electric hand warmers. and Yeah. yeah. But I don't Mm -hmm. think I'm going to have to do that again, which I'm glad. Yeah, I hear this. I do. So, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> well, good. Well, we better get going because we have a lot to share with you in this episode. Yes, we do. So, Katie, I'm going to send it right over to you for a very special segment of Oh, Idaho. Oh, Idaho. This is another head scratcher. Have you ever wondered where states get the drugs that they use for lethal injection? I have, yeah. I don't really know. Like, do you get well, a prescription for meds to kill someone? That just seems wrong. No. And at this point, uh, most states are wondering where to get drugs for lethal injection. They've mm-hmm. gotten very hard to get uh, a lot because drug companies don't really want to be associated with it. And it makes so- sense. It's gotten to be hard to get. And in fact, there's quite a few states currently that have stays on lethal injection because they cannot get the correct drugs or because the drugs that they've used in the past have had uh, adverse effects, have, have they've had problems with. And, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of the crime someone has committed, there are laws in our country that protect people 
that are being put to death from cruel and unusual punishment. And unfortunately, like recently, Oklahoma has had three botched executions in a row, which basically means they are injecting criminals or, you know, injecting uh, inmates with a certain cocktail of drugs that is not doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Causing a lot of suffering before they die. And I know some people will go, well, well, you know, they caused a lot of suffering, so who cares? And and you can have that theory. It's fine. It's just that that's not the law. Right. right? That is not the law That's not the law. And so there's a big issue right now with, uh, you know, with executions in general because of this. There's only two states in the whole country that still have a firing squad as an option. Uh, Everyone else really is just at lethal injection, and it's a big problem. So Idaho was facing this problem way back in 2011 when they were putting, they had an execution in 2011 and an execution in 2012. And the 2011 uh, execution was Paul Ezra Rhodes, Mm -hmm. who we have uh, covered his story here. Yeah. Uh, And then, uh, yeah, a local. And then Richard Levitt in 2012. Well, guess what? They had a hard time procuring the drugs. So they have been really secretive and not forthcoming with some of the documents that should be available to the public. What? And Idaho secretive of breaking the rules. Breaking the law. Never. So a professor here in Idaho said, a law professor went, that's not cool. And you have to turn over this stuff. So they refused to, and she enlisted the help of the ACLU, and there was a big lawsuit to force them to turn over and and go public with the documentation of the process of lethal injection for these two uh, prisoners, because they had just buried that. Well, it went to court. They tried really hard to not have to turn over any of that information. They eventually lost. And a huge dump of information became public. Uh, And what we learned is that they were unable to get the drugs that they needed uh, in a conventional way. So in Ezra Rhodes's, uh, Paul Ezra Rhodes's case, they found a compounding pharmacy in Salt Lake City that did a backdoor deal with them and sold them the drugs that they needed for $20,000. Yeah. Now, for whatever reason, that deal didn't work out again the next year when they needed lethal injection drugs again. And this time they went to Tacoma, Washington. So two uh, men, two head honchos from the Idaho Department of Corrections, flew to Tacoma one evening, made a cash deal with a pharmacist who was supposedly her business was across the street they met her in a Walmart parking lot and paid her in cash $16,000 cash from a suitcase oh for this drug in order to uh, execute Levitt. What? You know, I, it's this, just insane. It was so important to execute these men that they would do such clearly illegal and mm-hmm. if bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yep. Clearly and there were- illegal. There was a lot of pressure around Paul Ezra Rhodes. I know there was, you know, very famous murderer Mm -hmm. from our area. However, if they didn't get the drugs, it wasn't like Ezra Rhodes was getting out of prison. 
Mm-mm. He would have just still sat there and rotted like he had for all those years. Yes. Man, that is just, that's just chilling. It's, it's really chilling because again, they lied. They have yeah. been, and, and here's what's so crazy. While they were in court fighting this out and losing, they were also busy behind closed doors passing some new bylaws to try to prevent them from having to turn over this information in the future. That's really skeezy. It's just all really concerning. And so now what's happening is that, of course, we have Gerald Pizzuto, who you guys, we've talked about before. He is an inmate that is sentenced to death row who is dying. He has cancer. He can literally not even stand on his own at this point. And there has there was a stay for him because his attorneys had helped him apply for clemency to just let him just die of natural causes because he's dying. Like he's on yeah. hospice care. We have so, to kill a dying man. Like, is yeah. that really necessary? So Any in the fall, is it right? So in the fall, the clemency board met, or, well, the, uh, the parole board met and they agreed to grant him clemency. They said it, there's no need to go through with, you know, a, a execution at this point. Well, the governor of Idaho overruled that. So then it went directly back to court because there's some real questions about the way the law is written in Idaho and whether or not the governor can overrule that clemency. And so mm. that he's going to die before they execute him. I think that's right. pretty clear. It's also tied up in court now. I think that'll happen. But in the meantime, where is Idaho going to get their drugs this time? Yeah. Where is Idaho going to get their drugs this Yet time? Yet another backdoor deal with a suitcase full of cash? Like, what the Not hell is cool. going on? Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing about Pizzuto is he's had several execution dates mm-hmm. that have just been missed mm-hmm. over the years like yeah. they've just skipped over it's not even because he had clemency or anything they just didn't execute him several mm-hmm. times he's been in prison for like 30 years mm-hmm. and he's also repeatedly filed with the state and asked them for the firing squad yes because he has some really weird health issues a complex health issue that using uh Medication or your chemical execution uh, would likely bring on cruel and unusual punishment because of vein and heart problems that he has. He's really not even a candidate for yeah. chemical execution, but that's all Idaho has. So they've turned him down twice, mostly because we don't even have the firing squad in Idaho anymore. Uh, it We haven't had it since 2014. So it sounds like in like 2017, they thought about bringing it back, but never did. But he's not even said, you know, he doesn't want to die. He said, this is this modality, this method is not right for me. But it's just also, it's also chilling, you know, it it all makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. Just let this sick old dude die. Just let him die. What's the big deal? You know, he's already dying. Mm -hmm. Why do we have to go to all of this? trouble yeah it's just it's so wrong I but also why is the Idaho Department of Corrections getting away with this why are they getting away with purchasing their medication this way 
one of the questions was whether they even had a license to have controlled substances at that point because they can't procure it. They didn't have one from something like 2017 to 2019, and then they reapplied for one because you every prison has to have policies in place and procedures in place. Well, from 2011 to 2012, they can't prove that they even had a license for it. They said they lost it. They literally bought illegal controlled substances mm -hmm. representing the Department of Corrections for the state of Idaho. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I could go on for days, but I know this is, a, this is a segment and not our main case, but yeah. what yeah. the hell? But it is interesting to know. It's interesting to note across the country, this ongoing challenge, but it is not we're surprising probably not the Idaho state. stuff like this. Oh, probably not. This is probably a thing. Mm -hmm. But yes, it is yeah. not surprising to see Idaho do this and break their yeah. own rules and do whatever they want, because that's mm -hmm. just that's pretty common around here, unfortunately. It really is. So we'll keep an eye on it and we'll certainly keep an eye on Pizzuto and see what they decide to do. But yeah, interesting stuff uh, rolling out. But Christy, I am going to pass the mic back over to you for our main case. Yes. And our main case Today is a cold read for Katie. So I'm going to be presenting a case to Katie. She doesn't know what this case is so that mm -hmm. she can give us her cold read on what happened. Because this is a 25-year-old cold case. This is the death of Amy Todd Fleming. On the 11th of January, 1996, Amy didn't show up for work. Okay. She worked for the Indian Creek School District in Lee County, Illinois. And she was a special education teacher. She did pre-screening for the school district. And she also served on the high school's ag advisory board and coached girls basketball and volleyball. And she was a special education teacher. Wow. Okay. And she just didn't show up for school, which was very unlike her. And she sure. didn't call. Like, they didn't hear anything. Teachers so, don't just not show up for school. No, no. So, of course, the school tried to call. She didn't answer. And one of the women who worked in the school's office actually went to her house because she knew. She, she said her name was uh, Claudia Hicks. And Claudia said that she knew that um, something was wrong, that, that Amy would not just not show up like that. And it was Claudia's job to assign substitute teachers. Okay. If somebody called in sick, you know, like our mom mm -hmm. was a teacher and so kind of know yeah. how this goes. And yeah. she knew when she couldn't get her by phone that something was not right. Mm -hmm. So she went to her house and found her at 930 a.m. in the morning. Um, and she had been strangled. Mm. Her husband, Derek, was out of town. He was at a... He was at a cattle show out of state. And I mean, they literally just find her in her house strangled. Oh. So they call the police and the police come and they feel like, although she was strangled, they feel like somebody tried to stage what looked like a burglary because they mm -hmm. took a couple of things, but it wasn't like enough, you know, uh, You'll find this pretty funny because it's been 25 years. They took a quasar microwave oh. and a sharp VCR. Okay. Right. Now, can you imagine somebody stealing your microwave? That wouldn't happen. Mm -hmm. 
Um, well, anyway, or VCR. I mean, <laughs> that also would not happen, right? But but so they took those two things, which kind of Weird. the police were like, okay, we think they're kind of trying to make it look like this was a burglary, but wasn't enough to really maybe be enough for a burglary. I guess the night before, Amy had talked to a family member at about 8.30 and was believed to have been home alone Mm -hmm. uh, the next morning. Amy was, and you know, you always hear this about people after they've been killed. Mm -hmm. But according to everybody in her life, she was Mm well-loved. She was a, a great school teacher, and people around her just loved her and appreciated her and what she offered to their community. And they literally have nothing. They have no evidence. They have no motive. 25 years later, they have nothing. There has been in the past some evidence that they thought, you know, fingerprint evidence, DNA kinds of things that might bring something. Mm-hmm. Um, I read an article about all of that five, that was written five years ago, and nothing has come from any of it. So I don't think they've got a thing. This was such a shock to this little community. And we want to thank, this is a listener-suggested case. We want to thank the listener for this because uh, the listener that sent us this said that this case happened in her community. And it's like, the cold case in their area because mm-hmm. nobody can figure out who killed Amy Fleming and why. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to present it to you and have you give us your feel on it. What do you, what okay. do you think happened to Amy Fleming and, and why did it happen? So here's what I'm picking up on. I feel like this is someone that she knew when she was younger. This was a man that was around her age that I think she probably went to school with or was childhood friends with. I I feel like he was in a very bad place emotionally. I feel like he came, I know this sounds so cliche now, but I feel like he came to her house and told her that he'd always loved her and that he always thought he would have a life with her. And, you know, that she obviously chose someone else. And I don't even know that she dated him to be honest, but, uh, it feels kind of stalkery, you know, and, and kind of creepy. I feel okay. like he was having a serious breakdown, uh, you know, when he came to her house. Mm-hmm. I feel like she told him, you know, that she's, that's just not going to happen. She's happily married. She likes her. She loves her life. Like, you know, it, it's just not going to be a possibility. And I feel like he just freaked out, um, you know. I feel like he strangled her and then panicked. And did the little kind of robbery thing to try and just set something else up to try to cover up, you know, what he did. I feel like it was such a uh, a spontaneous thing. I don't think he went there, went there to hurt her at all. I feel like he went there quite, you know, differently to like profess love and, and try to uh, convince her that she should be with him. Um, I don't think this person has probably, I, I doubt they were mentally stable in high school and it's just gotten worse as they got a little bit older. Okay. I feel like after this happened that they left town pretty quickly. And I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever be solved. I hope that the DNA, you know, stuff brings something to light. But I I suspect that it won't. 
I don't know that I feel like he ever got in trouble again. I I feel like that's why it's, he's such a ghost, you know. Mm -hmm. But again, I feel like this is someone who she knew that she knew when she was younger and had, mm -hmm. you know, willfully let into her house that he came to her door and said he really needed to talk to her. And as a friend and a sweetheart, she let him right in the house, you know, never thinking that she would be unsafe or that he would hurt her. But this sure. was this was a crime of passion of sorts. Yeah. Very gotcha. sad. Wow. Yeah. That sure is. And it's just it's, you know, they. The police alluded to they felt like people around them weren't being honest with them. But, I mean, dude, it's been 25 years and they have nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, they're like, oh, you know, people always talk. Somebody knows something. You know, we hear these statements all the I'm time. I'm not sure that's true this time. But I'm, I'm really not, not sure it is either. And if that were really true, do you think after 25 years something wouldn't have leaked out somewhere? Mm-hmm. Well, and nobody would really have any need to protect him at this point. Like, I just, I don't see that. I really don't. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that our listener who suggested this case will appreciate it as well. And it's certainly one of those cases we'll keep an eye on. Who knows? Maybe it'll be a DNA win and DNA for the win eventually. But I so, so far, it has not been. So we'll keep an eye on it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, well, our last segment today is Weird Crime. So, Katie, I'm going to send it on over to you. Okay. So, there was a burglary at the drive-thru of a Burger King mm -hmm. earlier in January. I believe this happened on January 2nd in, I believe it happened in Milwaukee. And a 16-year-old girl was shot and killed. Oh. Yep, she was the girl working the window. Her name was Nisha. And her best friend also worked there and uh, was there when it happened. Her name is Mariah. And what initially it appeared to have happened was a, a man pulled up in a black Impala. He had on a mask and you know, like a face masky thing, like he was pretty covered. Mm -hmm. He waved a gun, you know, at her and told her to uh, empty the till, which she was working on doing, and kind of turned and flagged to her coworkers to let them know what was happening. Well, he took it a little further and climbed kind of partway, like leaned in the window and was waving a gun around, yelling oh, at them that he, they better get some money. And, you know, anyway, so that's, I don't know exactly what he said, but, you know, he was waving a gun around and yelling at them and, so they're scrambling to gather up money for him. Well, out of nowhere, two shots. And Nisha falls to the floor and he drives away. He never even got his money. Oh, my gosh. And they do get, uh, you know, paramedics there, but she died. And, mm. of course, her best friend, Mariah's there. She's completely devastated. Everyone is devastated. It's shocking. It's terrible. Well, the police get to working on this. And after working on it for a little bit... Um, Nothing makes sense. Why? Because Nisha wasn't shot in the front. She was shot in the back. What? So how could that be? Well, here's Someone what someone from saying. inside Burger King shot her? After an internal investigation and uh, looking at what film they could get from the store and from talking to employees and finally getting 
they, what they think now is the real story. The robber was Mariah's dad. Oh, <gasps> no. And they had set up a plan. He says that the plan was between him. Well, okay, I'll start. Mariah says that the plan was between her and Nisha and her dad. That they knew that Nisha would be working the window. Mariah would be there making hamburgers or whatnot. And that he would come by and rob the place and they would all. Then it was a setup? Well, no. A good guy with a gun who also worked there pulled the gun out of his pants and fired at Nisha's dad and or at Mariah's dad, sorry, at the robber and hit Nisha and killed her. Oh my God. So he panicked because um, he's a felon who's not supposed to have a gun. And also he just shot and killed someone, a 16 year old. So he ran and told the manager roughly what happened. I don't know if he told them the whole story about the fact that he's not supposed to have a gun or what, but they allowed him to stash the gun in Burger King's safe. And he took off. Oh my God. <laughs> so then finally the police are getting these fools to tell the whole story. So now we have three stories in action because dad says that it was he and Nisha they made the plan and that Mariah had nothing to do with it. When she knows nothing, she did nothing. She's scot-free. That Nisha's mm -hmm. planned this with her best friend's, friend's dad? dad? Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, that sounds right. Mm -hmm. Mariah says that she and Nisha and dad had the plan. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine what Nisha's family is feeling and saying? Oh, my God. They're saying... She had nothing to do with this. She would have had nothing to do with this. Our daughter and granddaughter is dead. Don't you dare drag her name into this. And so it's there's this triangle of stories going on. And then add to it the fool who actually did the shooting. He went on the run and has not been found. Oh, my God. That is unbelievable. Well, and can you imagine like you're in the middle of this robbery at the drive through at Burger King and your accomplice or not, whoever's supposed to be handing you the money gets shot mm -hmm. and killed mm -hmm. and you didn't do it. So yeah. you just get the hell out of, oh my hell. Initially, they, so awful. He did, they did think he did it. That's what it looked like happened, right? Well, Except yeah, you it, would kind of assume if somebody's yeah. waving a gun around that that's who did the shooting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. So, of course, we'll link the whole article so that you guys can uh, read it and uh, form your own opinions. But that's what right. we understand at this point to have happened. So hopefully they find the, the real killer and bring him to justice. However, mm -hmm. uh, Mariah's dad is being charged with uh, as an accessory to murder. Well, because yeah, I mean, it was all. like probably felony murder because it was in happened during the commission of a felony. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, he's got a slew of charges and, and one of them is contributing to the delinquency of minors or, you know, something along those lines because of what an idiot you know, what he did. But at any rate, that's so sad. It's so sad for Nisha's family that this is well, yeah. not only are they burying this child, but they're also under this cloud of bullshit, you know? Right. Yeah, that's terrible. Oh my yeah. God. We'll have to keep an eye on that case. For sure. Yep. So that's what I got. Wow.
Well, thank you for that. That's mm-hmm. very interesting. Whew. Well, this is Tuesday. These are our Tuesday cases. Yeah. We will be back tonight mm-hmm. at 7 p.m. Mountain for the uh, True Crime Paranormal Cold Read Party. So yes. if you are a subscriber of ours on Facebook, then you can attend this party. If you want to attend this party and you aren't, go over to Facebook and join. Uh, this is our this is our first level um, subscription. So it's our $4.99 subscription. Then you can come to the cold read party. And what we do is everybody that comes to the cold read party gets to throw us a case and we're, we will cold read it live on that live stream. And it's only for people who are members of our subscription. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we enjoy it. And, you know, it's great. Yeah. Come. It's great. Come see if you can throw us a case and see what we have to say. Yeah. Because we really enjoy just, you know. Reading them on the fly. See what we think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We will also be back tomorrow with a another group of cases mm-hmm. as on Wednesday as well as Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain is our Wednesday night case update live stream. And yeah. Thursday night is our uh, psychic hour, uh, 7 p.m. live stream as well. So we have lots more great content coming. So we do stay tuned, yeah. like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to be back. (laughs) We'll be here. Yeah, you know we will. We are True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks for being here, everybody. Take care.